KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. I'm a big spooky season girl. Once September hits, I cannot wait to curl up on my couch with a cup of hot apple cider, light a candle, and watch as many creepy movies and TV series as I can fit in two months. My favorite of 2023 has been The Fall of the House of Usher, the latest Netflix series by Mike Flanagan, who's known for The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor. I'm a bit of a Flanagan stan, so I binged The Fall of the House of Usher in two days. It follows one overarching, nail-biting mystery, but each episode is based on a different story by Edgar Allan Poe. Poe seems to pop up everywhere around this time of year, and it turns out he has some pretty significant Philadelphia ties. Maybe Poe had some of the happiest uh, days of his life here in this house. The house in question is at the corner of 7th and Spring Garden, where Poe lived in Philadelphia. It's now a National Historic Site. And I think as you walk on these these creaky floors and you see these crumbly walls, you're reminded of a lot of the themes in Poe's stories. Poe lived in Philly for just six years, but he published 31 stories in that time. It's said to have been the most productive period of his life, when he really hit his literary stride. Why is that? And is there, perhaps, any of his spirit still lingering in this house? This is The Johncast, a podcast about interesting and unexpected stories from Philadelphia. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa, and in this Halloween episode, we're visiting the Edgar Allan Poe National Historic Site to get a glimpse into the mind behind some of the most classic, creepy stories ever written. And we'll hear how this house may have even inspired some of his famous tales. Entering the Poe house feels a bit ominous. You walk up to a simple brick building, like many other historic houses in Philly. But when we arrived, the door was locked. There was a brass knocker and a sign that said, please knock once. I was definitely waiting for some kind of ghost to open the door. Or maybe it would open on its own. But... Hi. Welcome. Uh Welcome to the Edgar Allan Poe National Historic Site. You have just entered... The The man who answered the door was Luke Hopley, a National Park Ranger, because the Poe House is run by the National Park Service. Yeah, that definitely surprises people when you knock on the door and you're greeted with this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A uniform and a badge. It's not that uncommon for the home of a literary figure or someone significant to American history to be a National Historic Site. I just wasn't expecting it here. Luke often works at Independence Hall, the hub of the National Park Service in Philadelphia. But he's also been working at the Poe House for the past five years. So the house that Edgar Allan Poe rented here uh, on 7th and Spring Garden Streets was a bit smaller than a lot of the other houses around him. Poe, for most of his life, had financial difficulties. Mm. And a lot of his friends described this house as a bit impoverished. You enter through the gift shop and a single-room museum. This part was actually Poe's neighbor's house. In classic Philly row house style, the homes were connected by a wall, which was knocked down at some point. Once you head over here through this archway, look through that doorway where you see a little bit more of a a bleaker 
setting. See bare walls, wooden exposed floors. That's the house that Poe and his family lived in for their last year in Philadelphia. Poe wasn't always so strapped for cash, at least in his youth. He was born in Boston in 1809. His parents were, were actors, so they traveled a lot. Now, when his mother dies, his father had already kind of uh, been out of the picture. And then Poe, Edgar Poe, at that time, goes to the Allen family. And that's where he gets that third name, right? Edgar Allen Poe. Gotcha. Although he's never actually adopted by these, these folks. They're his foster parents. The Allens lived in Virginia and were pretty well off. And it seems like the mother maybe was a little bit more affectionate to him than, than the father. And that really kind of comes to a head when Poe's older and he's having trouble in school and he's consistently asking for money. The mother's passed away and the father remarries and has another child of his own. And, you know, Poe, who grew up in that wealthy Richmond, Virginia family, now finds himself really for the first time in his life totally on his own. That kicked off financial struggles that followed Poe for the rest of his life. It contributed to bouts of depression, but he wasn't always the dark, brooding man that we like to picture. There were times when Eddie, as his family called him, was just a regular, even friendly guy. He was known by, you know, and pointed through by a lot of his contemporaries as being you know, really fun to be around, you know, and sometimes a life of the party, but also sometimes being sunken in and a bit more reclusive. You know, another factor is that he was battling his, uh, his alcoholism, you know, mm-hmm. that had followed him since he was pretty young, really, since his time at the, the University of Virginia. He wasn't able to finish school because he couldn't afford it, and his foster father wouldn't pay his debts. Poe joined the military for a while, but he intentionally got himself kicked out so he could focus on writing. But I think when you talk about Poe's literary career, it starts in Baltimore. He works mm-hmm. for a magazine called the, the Southern Literary Magazine. But his problems with alcohol eventually, you know, have that fall through, and it's not really a great divorce from, from that job. Poe moved around a lot, going wherever he could find work, which eventually brought him to Philadelphia in 1838. He worked for a couple of different magazines during his Philadelphia time. One was called Burton's Gentleman Magazine, and then the other one was Graham's Magazine. Now, he, he wrote all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, wrote about Stonehenge and gymnastics, but his, his real passion is poetry. Poe lived in five different homes in his six years in Philly. This historic site is the last place he lived here for about a year, and it's the only one of his Philadelphia homes that remains standing. One of the reasons that Poe moved to this house because his wife had been diagnosed with tuberculosis. You might picture Poe writing in a dark, isolated room, but his house actually has a lot of natural light. Sunlight comes in from the south side, and in the 1800s, there's an idea that sunlight and fresh air helped people suffering from tuberculosis. One thing that obviously strikes visitors is, as soon as they come into the actual Poe house is that there's nothing in here. It's yeah. a blank slate. <laughs> there's no wallpaper, there's no paint. It's all been scraped down to the bare plaster. We don't know what Poe had here in this building. It couldn't have been much 
Because Poe furnished this place with his imagination. That's how he put food on the table in this house. So in a way, you, as the visitor, when you come here, are supposed to use your imagination to try and visualize what it could have looked like. Instead of actual furniture, there are drawings of what might have been there. We start in the living room, where there's a drawing covering the fireplace, depicting what it could have looked like with a mantle, a clock, and a painting of a deer above it. Other than that, it's an empty room with wood floors and stone walls. Though Poe was a relatively well-known writer, uh, there's not a lot of copyright laws that exist during you know, the mid-19th century. So Poe could publish a very popular story like The Gold Bug about pirate treasure and adventure, mm -hmm. and it's republished throughout England, throughout the United States, and Poe will only ever see that small sum that he got for selling it to one magazine. So who knows, here in this room, he could have been sitting with some of his other fellow writers commiserating about how they weren't being paid <laughs> enough for their stories. I imagine that modern writers maybe still kind of have some of the same conversations. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but Poe didn't live here alone. You know, he lived here with his, his wife, Virginia, who, who was also his first cousin. Just to make sure that's clear, Poe married his first cousin which means his mother-in-law, who lived with them, was also his aunt. So it's a bit of a, an odd, um, you know, living situation. Hmm. But from all accounts, his mother-in-law named Maria Clem, who was affectionately nicknamed Muddy, was really the, the glue that held this household together. Poe hmm. would bring in money and, you know, sometimes disappear. You know, he, he did have a, a tendency to do that. You know, she would try to put food on the table. Huh. in this kitchen that we also have over here. The kitchen, again, is an empty, naturally lit room. There's a little nook that could have been for a stove. Of course, this was the 1800s, so they wouldn't have had electrical appliances. There's a drawing hanging on one wall of a table with some fruit, bread, bowls, etc. From there, we move upstairs. The house has three floors, and it all looks similarly bare. Through Poe's bedroom, his writing room. We think that this room here could have been used for Poe's writing area. Up to the third floor. The third floor here is where we think uh, his wife Virginia was staying on the other side of the hallway, and then his mother-in-law in here. Mm -hmm. And I think as you walk on these, these creaky floors and right. you see these crumbly walls, you're reminded of a lot of the themes in Poe's stories about things being buried, you know, behind walls, under floorboards, and your imagination starts to work. And especially as you walk on these creaky floors, you might be reminded of what is, is really Poe's most famous short story. And he wrote it here in Philadelphia called The Telltale Heart. True, nervous, very, very dreadfully nervous I had been and am. But why will you say that I am mad? I asked our KYW News Radio colleague, Andre Bennett, to give us a dramatic reading. The disease had sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing acute. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. How then am I mad? Hearken, and observe how healthily, how calmly I can tell you the whole story. Then, you know, the story goes on to talk about how he, he worked for an older gentleman who he, he loved, but who had this sort of filmed-over white eye. Yes, it was this. 
One of his eyes resembled that of a vulture, a pale blue eye with a film over it. Whenever it fell upon me, my blood ran cold, and so by degrees, very gradually, I made up my mind to take the life of the old man and thus rid myself of the eye forever. So he creeps into the old man's room at night and murders him, causes quite a commotion, looks for a place to bury him, hide him, and he puts him underneath the floorboards. And uh, the police come, and but then he hears this, this thumping, this beating that drives him crazier and crazier and madder and madder. Hark! Louder! 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 Villains! I shrieked. Dissemble no more. I admit the deed. Tear up the planks. Here. Here. It is the beating of his hideous heart. You know, this is usually the part of the tour. At this point, Luke goes over to the corner of the room, and he wrenches open a floorboard. And inside is a heart. A rubber heart. It's fake. It's all for dramatic effect. To be clear, Poe didn't actually kill anyone and hide the body in this floorboard. At least, we don't think. But he did write at least one more murder story that seems to be based on this house in some way. And later in his own life, there's a mystery that has never been solved. We'll hear both of those stories when we come back. Welcome back to the JohnCast. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. We've seen just about all of the Edgar Allan Poe house now. The final stop is the basement. As we head down, our guide, Ranger Luke, tells another haunting tale. It's, you know, the original cellar. A little bit different because it has a brick floor. It would have been a dirt floor. But it has a, a pretty direct connection to, to one of the famous horror stories that he wrote here in this house called The Black Cat. And you know, it's about kind of similar to the Telltale Heart about a man who descends into madness. For the most wild yet most homely narrative which I am about to pen, I neither expect nor solicit belief. Mad indeed would I be to expect it, in a case where my very senses reject their own evidence. Yet, mad I am not, and very surely do I not dream. But tomorrow I die, and today I would unburthen my soul. He has his favorite black cat named Pluto, but he also, kind of like Poe, has an addiction to alcohol, and the alcohol changes him. But my disease grew upon me, for what disease is like alcohol? And at length, even Pluto, who is now becoming old and consequently somewhat peevish, even Pluto began to experience the effects of my ill temper. One night... This is a longer story, but you can imagine it doesn't end well for Pluto. The narrator, in his drunken madness, ends up killing the cat and then finds another one that looks almost exactly the same. But this new cat torments him. One day he's walking down the steps into a cellar described much like this and the cat tries to trip him which maybe that's happened to us before right? Your cat, <laughs> oh, yes. cat tries to trip you but we don't react like this. <laughs> uh, he grabs an axe and he's so angry that he goes to kill his cat but his wife she tries to stop him and his rage he buries the axe in her head murders her in the cellar. Oh no. So once again just like the telltale heart 
burying a body, this time not in the floor, but in the wall. Hmm. And visitors can see the false chimney, just like the one in the story. He stuffs the body into the false chimney and bricks it up. So it just looks like it's part of the wall. The wall did not present the slightest appearance of having been disturbed. The rubbish on the floor was picked up with the minutest care. I looked around triumphantly and said to myself, here at least then, my labor has not been in vain. There's more. You know that body isn't going to stay hidden. But if you haven't already heard the story, I'm going to leave you in suspense on this one. You can read The Black Cat or go to the Poe House to see for yourself how it ends. In 1844, Poe moved from Philadelphia to New York for another job as an editor. That's where he published The Raven, though there are rumors that he started writing his most famous poem in the house on Spring Garden in Philly. Now, it's at that time, he's kind of become legitimately famous to well-known because of the success of The Raven. And um, his dream of, of creating his own literary magazine called The Stylus seems like it actually might happen. As that was in the works, his wife passed away. Luke says that after a while, Poe rekindled a relationship with a woman he knew in Virginia. So he goes down to Richmond from New York, and he swears sobriety. He swears temperance. And then he goes, he's on his way back to New York, and he makes a stop in Baltimore. And this is where the mystery kind of sets in. Uh, he, he stops in Baltimore, and a few days later, he's found sick on the streets and goes to a hospital and then passes away. Mm-hmm. Now, the theories are all over the place. There's some really fringe theories, like Poe had rabies. <laughs> <laughs> There's theories that this woman that he was courting in Richmond, her brothers, you know, really didn't like the idea, so they followed him to Baltimore and beat him up, and he ended up dying. There's theories that he just had tuberculosis in his system from being around it for so long. But when you talk about it, and, and you, you present these different theories, it's, it's almost like you're participating in one of Poe's stories. Was there some nefarious act involved in Poe's death? Did his demons finally catch up to him? We can speculate, but what we know is his cause of death is recorded as acute congestion of the brain on October 7, 1849, at the age of 40. After hearing a bit of his life story, and there's still much more that we couldn't tell here. I get the sense that of all the places he lived, Philadelphia is really where Edgar Allan Poe became the Edgar Allan Poe. Why do you think, if you had to guess, were Poe's years in Philadelphia his like happiest and most productive? Well, he, he comes into his own as a, as a writer, I would say. But I think the timing of his Philadelphia years, he starts to develop his own unique voice, his own, you know, creative vision for short stories. But I just think it's a time of his life where he settles down a little bit and starts to hit the strides in his career. It's just cool to kind of walk around and imagine, like, this is where he was sitting when he came up with these stories. Mm-hmm. And can you sit in this room and get into the same headspace right. in some way? And, and really, one of the things that we encourage here uh, is for you to write in the house. And we have writing prompts that we offer here. Back on the main floor, in the section that used to be Poe's neighbor's house, there's a reading room. It's the only room with actual furniture. 
The design of the room is modeled after an essay that Poe wrote called The Philosophy of Furniture, where he describes, in his opinion, what the ideal room looks like. Huh. So this is it. <laughs> okay. Red, red glass or red hue in the room. Not my ideal room, but... <laughs> An octagon table. <laughs> a lot of red. Yeah. A lot kinda, of uh, kinda, floral kind of patterns. Definitely. Pretty on brand for Poe. Hmm. But we utilize this place. We love to encourage visitors to read in it, but also, you know, in the spirit of Poe, to write as well. We have rotating writing prompts that we provide here. Stuff like write a two-sentence scary story. So if you ever visit, definitely encourage you to uh, try and be a little creative while you're here. Even though he didn't actually live in that part of the building, I think that's where I could feel Poe's presence the most. The red curtains, 19th century couch with wood trim, the bookshelves, the mirror. I could just imagine Poe watching over visitors as they write. I see a lot of cat references already. Yeah, <laughs> like here's one, a two sentence. I found a great picture of myself sleeping in my bed. I live alone. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. My life's pretty scary. (laughs) (laughs) If you see a candy trail nearby you, you should run. The little girl in the house doesn't like to share. (laughs) That's kind of creepy. That is creepy. That's a good This one's pretty good. The fat cat ate all the baby mice, then he ate all the ravens. The fat cat never flies unless the clock strikes midnight. (laughs) Even came up with a title. The fat cat flies at midnight. That's Kieran Schiffler, one of Odyssey's digital campaign managers, who came along for the visit so I didn't have to go to this creepy house alone. Hey, go take a look in the mirror. Oh, wait, that's a distraction. Now I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Maybe most of these authors aren't the next great American poet, but you never know. I wrote a lot of really bad poems when I was a kid. They were terrible, but that was how my creativity first started to grow. We've already seen Poe inspire all kinds of new creative works, like a seriously addicting Netflix series, for example. Who knows what could come next? The Johncast is a production of KYW News Radio Original Podcasts, and it's made in Philadelphia by Tom Rickert, Brian Seltzer, Myron Kaplan, Holly Stevens, and me, Sabrina Boyd Serka. Shout out to Andre Bennett for his incredible reading of The Telltale Heart and The Black Cat. We'll have pictures of the Poe House on X, aka Twitter, at The Johncast. And we'll put a link in our show notes. We'll be back with a new story in a few weeks. So if you want more, follow us on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>